Welcome to Season 2 of the Practicing Presence Podcast, where spiritual formation is fueled through a variety of practices rather than a single prescriptive time of devotion, where we discuss different spiritual practices that help us be more present with God, others, and ourselves. What's going on, practitioners? What's up? How's everybody doing? So, we are wrapping the conversation up about Inspired. Yeah, this this was a great book. Um... I, I have not read this book before um, doing this. Um, I read another book similar. Uh, it's a little bit more academic, but it's called Sacred Word, Broken Word back in the day. Uh, and basically, man, the thing that I love about this book by Rachel is it's an accessible volume that I can hand to someone that comes to me and go, hey, I'm really struggling with some things in the Bible. There's some things about this that don't make sense. Um, And I don't have to do some hermeneutical jump rope nonsense to try to come up with some way to make sense of all these things that seem to be nonsensical. Mm -hmm. These things that don't seem to make sense. These these things that seem like the pieces don't fit the puzzle. Um, I can hand them Rachel's book and go... Hey, engage with this for a little bit. It might help. It, I mean, it's not going to answer all your questions, but it might help you think about some new ways to have these conversations and to think about these things. Yeah, and a- along with that, just worded a little bit differently, even if you think that you have these things figured out, read that book because it m- might make you think about things in a different way. Oh, I yeah. I, I consistently found myself taking things that Rachel was saying and going, oh, yeah, I can work that in. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I need that piece. Yeah. Um, and I'm working on my third degree in this stuff. Yeah. But if you guys remember, my deconstruction journey was sparked because I had a problem with God. Um, I didn't think that the picture of God that I had made up in my head was a beautiful picture of God at all. Which... If we're being completely honest, um, that's a a common issue that people have. Um, maybe not in as much depth as you, yeah. Um, but the conversation about God being a just being, um, in this life experience of mm-hmm. life, um. And therefore questioning his existence. Yeah. That's a common perspective. Correct. Or a, com- a common a common issue, issue that people common have. issue, common concern. It's true. I say it all the time. Deconstruction is sparked from one of two things, a problem with God or a problem with the people of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been true in my journey that the both. only way to fix them is that if you have a problem with God that sparks deconstruction, then God themselves is going to be the one that brings you back in. Right. If you have a problem with the people of God, then it's only the people of God that will fix your problems. Um, Mm. I've actually, I might've heard you say that before, but that's never hit me until right now. 
I say it all the time, man. Um, and actually, my friend Adam is a great example. Both pastors slash former pastors, we have degrees from the same institutions. Um, both went through deconstruction. Mine started with a problem with God, and it was God who brought me back into the fold after about 18 months or two years. Uh, Adam started with the people of God, and it was because he found a group, a, a people of God, a people of faith um, that were living faith the way that he thought faith needed to be lived, that he still to this day calls himself a Christian, and he found that at Gather. Mm-hmm. Um, at Gather Houston, by the way. Yep. If you live in the Houston area, you should probably check them out. It is a great church. Uh, Josh Hilburn is a great dude. Um, but anyways, my deconstruction began with a problem with God. And so because of that, it doesn't take very long when you have a problem with God to have a problem with the Bible. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, once you start having a problem with God, the, the problems in the Bible that you see come so easy. Well, because you accept this false claim that I must read the Bible literally mm-hmm. and that um, it's inerrant and inspired, mm-hmm. and you accept that claim because you've had an experience with God. Mm-hmm. And that's what the tradition that you had that experience in has told you about that thing. Right. Well, when you begin to have a problem with God, you know you no longer accept the presuppositions that your faith tradition came to you with because you had a love for God. Right. When that breaks down, the Bible's the first place you have to turn. Mm-hmm. You're like, this is the only thing that I have that to build roots me in my faith. Correct. Yeah. And boy, when I went to reading it, it didn't take long. Uh Man, I wasn't sure about anything. Um, the biggest one for me was the issues with the narrative around women in the New Testament. Yeah. That was the biggest one for me. I'm like, how is this even possible? Over here, you got this one bozo saying women can't even speak in church. Three chapters earlier, you got that same bozo the Apostle Paul, who's not actually a bozo, but you got the same bozo saying, hey, women, when you pray and prophesy in church, cover your head. And it's like, oh, wait, Paul, what the heck? I'm told next you're friends with Priscilla and Aquila, this team, this husband and wife, who you call them both apostles? But you're telling me an apostle, a person who has an office, of ministry a title they can't speak in church yeah um the timothy narrative i don't permit a woman to speak or have authority over a man it's like well wait what what the heck you're gonna tell lydia who's hosting the house church in philippians or in philippi in Acts 16 that she can't speak in her own home yeah Especially not when you're there. Oh, which, by the way, you stayed with her when you lived, like when you were there after yeah. you got out of prison? Like, come on. There, Is this for real? Huge contradictions and issues there. 
So I am a teaching assistant um, for some social work classes right now. And um, I had a student approach me. Uh, they knew about my faith and they knew about what we do here at Wellhouse. And they approached me with some very deconstructive type questions. Um, and some pertaining to uh, the issues of the people in the church, um, some pertaining to LGBTQIA plus issues. That's uh, a big one for people. That is a big one for people. Um, and all I'm going to say on that at this time, maybe there's a different way to read it than what you think. Um, I put this out on Instagram and I got in trouble for it um, by a few people. I don't really care. They're not people that hold any kind of power over me. But I just politely said, and I bring it up because it's related to the Bible, but I just politely said that anyone that reads the Bible uh, and therefore interprets it should be asking the question, is this contextual, cultural, or universal? Mm -hmm. And can whatever I place in that category, can it change? Can the view on it change? And the category that it falls within change based yeah. on how I view it. And the example I gave was that 200 years ago, people were using the Bible to prove that slavery was somehow acceptable. Mm -hmm. Something that very few people would do today. Yep. And I just posed the question, I wonder if 200 years from now, We'll be having the same conversation Actually, about trans youth and LGBTQIA plus issues. Yeah. Um, and I politely said at the end of the graphic, perhaps we shouldn't be so quick to proclaim that we have the only right answer. Mm -hmm. We might end up the villains in our own story by those reading it after us. Mm -hmm. All of that is based around the Bible. Yep. Because... That's just me reading church history. That's literally all that is, is me looking at this and going, hey, this is what I've seen from church history about the way in which people have talked about the Bible. Um, here's a way it might show up 200 years from now. Maybe we shouldn't be so dogmatic on things we're not sure of. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't. Well, um, but that, that right there is the problem is that there is so many people that think that they're so damn sure about their perspective. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I say it all the time. The death of the church will be because we have this incessant need to be right. Exactly. Can we mm -hmm. just take a perspective that is like, you know what? Your view doesn't necessarily fall outside of orthodoxy. And I I might I'm I, I might disagree with you. Right. But that's okay and I love you anyways. I and, will and that right there because the traditions that we grew up in that that would never that be accepted. was the, basically heresy yeah 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 yeah. no you had to believe exactly like us or you couldn't even be a part of fellowship it just is an asinine concept to me um and and i do get kind of heated talking about this because it it hurt the student that i was talking about earlier 
Yeah. It's hurt so many other people yeah. like that student. Yep. And me, someone who's not just super important in their life, but just somebody who's thought about these things. Right. They came to me, I need some help. I need a different perspective on what I've been handed. Yeah. Those people exist all over the world. Those people exist in our backyard. Those people exist, the neighbor down the road. Those people are the family member. Because here's the deal. Historically, the church is not a safe space for you to have those conversations. No. That's why it happened to you in a classroom. That's right. At a college you work at. In a social work class. Yeah, because... Something that has nothing to do with theology. Because unfortunately... We've been told that the church is not the safe space to have that conversation. Yeah. Um, and that's why we're trying to do things a little bit different because I say it all the time. You know, I'm I'm not shy about it. I curse. I, I look at uh, curse words the same way that, like, great literature does, that sometimes a well-placed curse word is just good communication. Mm-hmm. Um, it relays the point of what I'm trying to say in a better way than any of the other vocab uh, glosses would. And so I curse. Um, I don't think that's what Paul was talking about in Colossians about corrupt language. Uh, that's just me personally. You don't have to agree with me, but because of that, and because I curse on social media and I curse on our podcast and I'm, I'm, I am me who you get behind this microphone is me. I'm not, I'm not putting on any front. I treat social media. I'm an idiot on social media. He really is. I I literally, I just post the most random stuff. I just let my personality shine through. And the whole reason is because I don't want anybody to ever go, well, I didn't know you were this kind of personality. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I put it out there for everybody to see every day, all day. So he does say and do things on social media that we can't do on the podcast to keep away from us having to put on the explicit oh, yeah, side. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. I, um, yeah, I, keep, I always keep the explicit language off of off the podcast because I don't want to have to go under the explicit label. That is true. So if this is all you see of us, just realize we are toned down. We, yeah, that's censored. true. We we are toned down a little bit because we're we're censored by YouTube and yeah, and Spotify. That's and true. The the light. That's true. We don't want the algorithm to mess us up, but um, because of that, people come to me often. They're like, "You're a pastor. Do you cuss at church? Like all this kind of stuff." Yeah. And at first, I started responding this way satirically. Like can't as cuss a, in church, and where can you cuss? Yeah, but honestly, but, dude, it's so true. But now I just keep it as like a point of. I, I like, say that same because thing I think it's like it embodies so much truth. Like, if you can't cuss at church, where can you cuss? If church is not the place that you can be your most vulnerable and authentic self, yeah, then what the heck are we even doing here? Yeah, and so. If you are listening to this and you're a part of Wellhouse and you, or even if, if you're you, not, yeah, if you our contact info is in the link in, in the description box down below. You get, go reach out to one of us, Instagram, emails, whatever. Mm-hmm. They're all down there. Like this is a safe space for you to have that conversation. And I can tell you that because we have this conversation regularly all the time. 
board members, staff, congregants, everybody involved in Wallhouse Church is having this conversation because we're not trying to pretend that you're supposed to show up at church and be somebody you're not. So this idea that you have to, quote, put on your Sunday best and go to church, um, that carried into not just the clothes that you wear, but the demeanor that you walk in with. The stoicism that was expected that you just walk in, you're supposed to be without passion, you have no personality, and no problems. I, that is not what Acts tells us. <laughs> it's not what any of that book tells you. Um specifically the early church is what I was getting at, which is what we base our model off of. Yeah. That's not what we get. No. We get people coming in full vulnerability. And not just coming in full vulnerability, but then once they have received the Holy Spirit, giving them of themselves to help the other people that are coming in full vulnerability. That is Wellhouse and what we're trying to do here. And so when we have these conversations of deconstruction, like Inspired gives us, we want people to come to us with these questions. We want people to come saying, yo, I just don't know what the F to do with this. Right? Like, and that was what my student did. Yeah. I just don't know what they specifically asked me was how can you agree with and believe some of the things that you say and also be a Christian? As a social worker. As a social you, worker. Yeah. As a social worker. Not as a person that is attached to Wellhouse Church, but right. as the social work personality that I am doing. And as, I, as a social work student, how can you believe some of the things that you say that you believe and also be a Christian? Those are things that are conversations for another time. But what I just told her was that, you know what? Who told you that those things were right? Yeah. And then her response was, well, Can read, the, read Bible. the Bible. Yeah. Guess who translated that Bible? Yeah. And guess, guess who wrote the Bible? Men. Men. The patriarchy. Yep. And then guess who translated it? People wealthy, that looked wealthy, exactly like us. Wealthy white patriarchy. Um, if you don't see the problem, the problems that could arise in that, maybe you got some more exploring to do. Maybe, or maybe you are doing your exploration and you see some problems. Maybe you don't see very many at all. To each their own, more power to you. I see lots, um, and I'm quite vocal about them, but my position is not the only position at Wellhouse Church, no. and nor is, is it fair. nor is it the most prominent one, I don't think. I mean, maybe it's the one that gets the most airtime because... You're the, I'm the, the pastor, voice. but yeah, yeah. but I, I don't, I don't even know that if you took every person in, in Wallhouse church and asked them their view of the Bible, I don't think it would be exactly like mine. I think it would probably be more conservative than mine. I think um, on the, the average well that we attend, um, there is 
just about everyone in that room has a different view. Probably. And here's here's what I say all the time. My oh. goal is not to indoctrinate you. No. My goal is to not make you a mini version of me. My goal is not to make you believe exactly like me. My goal is, is my goal as the pastor of Wellhouse Church is to be a resource for you. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, that, that God is capable of communicating to you and that you are a whole and healthy human being that's capable of receiving revelation from God. And if I believe that's true, then I don't need to give you the answers. I need to give you the tools to seek the answers from the divine themselves. And so that's what I'm going to do. And when you run into a roadblock, when you run into a problem, I want to be the most prepared person that I can be through degrees and well-read and all these things to be a plethora of resources for you, for you to come ask me, hey, I'm wrestling with this question. Where do I go? And I can point you in the right direction so that you and God can work that stuff out together, mm. not so that me and you work that stuff out so that you have some kind of token answer for your friends when they ask you why you believe that about God. Thanks for listening to the Practicing Presence podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. Be sure to give us a rating and a review if you enjoyed the episode. It's free and it helps us immensely. Also, feel free to check out our other podcasts.